0: Hi and welcome to the Investment Week podcast for April, where we'll be talking about politics and its implication on markets and the asset management world. I'm your host, Jane Arana, and I'm an asset management correspondent for Investment Week. Investment Week has been the premier publication serving professional investors in the UK since 1995. You can find out more about us by visiting www.investmentweek.co.uk. Last year was certainly a year of political surprise. In June, we saw the UK vote to leave the EU, and in November, Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton to become the 45th President of the United States, both of which had a knock-on effect in different areas of domestic and global markets. This year, we've already seen Trump's inauguration, the Dutch elections, and now the triggering of Article 50. But what does all of this mean for the asset management industry? I'll be speaking to Gavin Haynes, Managing Director at Whitechurch Securities, about his outlook for Europe in light of the elections we've already seen and those that are still to come this year. But first, joining me today is Anna Stupnitska, Global Economist at Fidelity, to talk more generally about politics and how it's impacting markets around the world. Thank you for joining me, Anna. So, first of all, as we enter the second quarter of 2017, how concerned should we be about politics affecting markets for the rest of the year?
1: Well, we certainly got a couple of uh, important events uh, out of the way now, the Dutch elections and uh, the triggering of uh, Article 50. But the European political calendar is still very heavy as we look over the next few months. Of course, we have the French elections, the German elections, potentially uh, even Greek elections um, at some point this year. And of course, uh, the start of Brexit negotiations um, and uh, Uh, anything on Trump's policies, um, given the lack of clarity right now, will probably also affect the markets. So a lot to look forward to. um, But I think the French elections is, of course, probably uh, the biggest event and and perhaps a uh, relatively binary outcome. Um, uh, So far, we have seen uh, fixed income uh, in particular being um, affected by uh, French elections headline. um, And interestingly, uh, this seems to be much more uh, sensitive than equities. Um, So I think we will be looking at how fixed income and equities will react to uh, the outcome of the elections. Um, And around Brexit, um, um, I think that we might be entering a period of uh, political lull potentially um, as uh, the focus shifts to technical aspects of negotiations. Uh, But uh, uh, I think at the same time, um, the currency uh, might have some ups side risks uh, in in this scenario if we don't get uh, a big fallout over the next couple of months um, but given the data is rolling over in the UK I don't think the Bank of England will be uh, turning particularly hawkish in the next few months and that means that the risks to the pound in particular are still skewed to the downside
0: And following on from that now that article 50 has been triggered what's your view on the UK and, and how much volatility if any do you expect?
1: I think the UK economy has certainly been resilient um, uh, after the referendum. Uh, This is partly due to the global upswing. Uh, It's not just the UK economy that has picked up. Uh, Globally, many other developed and emerging markets have been doing well. Uh, But of course, we also uh, saw stabilising policy response, and that has contributed to relatively good data in the UK. But we're already seeing some signs of weakness in the economy, and you cannot deny that. Uh, Inflation is already a purchasing power and real wages are now actually growing at negative rates. Investment plans are more muted. Um, And so this points to a slower economy over the next few months. And I think Brexit is going to be a slow drag on growth as negotiations uh, move on and as uncertainty about the final uh, trade deal weighs um, on the data. So I do expect slower growth uh, for uh, the UK over the next two or three years. Uh, But beyond that, it's very hard to say. Um, of course, um, uh, longer-term economic growth depends on labour force, productivity um, and investment, um, and it's possible that government policies can change and can affect uh, this component. Uh, uh, for example, if we have lower immigration, it doesn't necessarily mean lower growth trend because if there are policies in place that boost productivity, uh, that, that can offset the loss from immigration. So I would say beyond uh, this time horizon, beyond negotiations, it's very hard to say. Um, and we will have to see what the final deal is. Sure. Um, you mentioned the French elections
0: earlier. I think it's safe to say there has been this rise of populism um, lately on on both a domestic and global scale. How high do you think the possibility of Marie Le Pen
1: winning the French election is, and what what might the impact be either way? I think the polls, the recent polls, show that. Um, um, she is unlikely to win in the second round um, and certainly Emmanuel Macron's um, voter base is becoming more stable and he's gaining more support from a number of age groups. Um, that's encouraging. However, um, I think uh, we shouldn't be complacent um, as um, uh, a low turnout uh, can potentially change the outcome and certainly the markets continue worrying about that. I think if Le Pen does win, of course, the biggest worry there is uh, Frexit. Um, she made it an important part of her manifesto. and This is a part of her campaign. Uh, and of course, um, uh, markets will trade around that. Now, um, Frexit is not inevitable by any means. If she does win, uh, there are serious institutional obstacles to this. Um, and potentially, even if we do get a referendum, it might be deemed unconstitutional. But I think a more encouraging um, point is that actually the support in France for the euro is very high. It's above 70% on a number of different um, uh, polls and surveys. And it means that even if a referendum, a, a referendum is called, uh, it's unlikely that a Brexit vote will win, at least at this point in time. But what's encouraging as well is that Uh, Given the Dutch elections outcome, it's clear that this surge of populism that we have seen globally over the past few months seems to be not spreading across Europe. Um, And that's the hope for France. And that's the hope for Europe, actually. I think it's a good thing. I think it will make Europe as a project stronger. So on that note,
0: do you think there's a chance the Eurozone might break up or is it looking very resilient, as you say?
1: I think in the near term, uh, the chance is uh, relatively low. There is a lot of political will to keep the Euro area project in place. Um, and in fact, uh, after the French elections, if Macron wins, uh, he is very pro-European and uh, and actually this effort towards further integration uh, and perhaps uh, towards further reform uh, within the EU um, will accelerate. So I think um, in the near term, it's unlikely. and in fact, act Brexit, and Brexit negotiations will probably uh, make Europe stronger as well. Uh, Obviously, uh, the whole negotiation process from the European side is not about uh, economic losses or gains, it's not about uh, German trade surplus at all, Uh, it is about the political angle, uh, and it it is about not creating an incentive structure for other members to also want to, to exit or renegotiate membership etc so uh, it's going to be painful i think the negotiations are going to be um uh potentially protracted, uh, but uh, it is the EU who will come out stronger at the end of this process. Um, And of course, looking ahead uh, beyond Brexit uh, and beyond these elections, a few years down the line, the threat of populism will probably uh, come back. And so um, the EU members will have to work very very hard uh, to reform, uh, as I said, to, to prevent that going forward.
0: Some very interesting insights there. Thank you for joining us today, Anna.
1: Thank you, my pleasure.
0: My second guest today is Gavin Haynes, Managing Director of White Church Securities. Hi, Gavin. Hi, Jana. As I'm sure you agree, it's been and will continue to be a busy year for Europe with regards to politics. You actually moved overweight European equities in January. What triggered this move?
2: Um, basically, there were two key reasons why we decided to increase our European exposure. Um, first was, was certainly improvement in the economic environment, um, there were definite signs that deflationary concerns were reducing. Um, and certain, certainly there was some um, signs that the, the economic environment, uh, key indicators, be it economic growth, be it confidence surveys, were was, was starting to improve. Um, so, and that's continued recently. We've seen unemployment figures fall to the lowest since 2009, um, as I said, improving business confidence. Um, so, so we certainly thought that the economic backdrop was looking more promising. Um, But I would say that we probably don't position our portfolios primarily based on trying to second guess the top-down environment, and it was more a case that we see and saw valuation opportunities within European stock markets that were beginning to look more attractive. In particular, versus the US, we think that European stock markets are more reasonably valued. And also where we are in the profit cycle, we think there's more scope for earnings growth amongst European stocks. Um, I think particularly we saw value opportunities in, in, in certain areas of the market um, and trying to capture the historic value valuation opportunity that exists due to excessive pessimism surrounding some of the value sectors. Um, so we, we certainly saw opportunities in, in value-focused funds in Europe.
0: So I know you take um, a very bottom-up approach, but are you concerned at all about the risks posed by the political situation in Europe?
2: Um, I guess the referendum last year certainly proved that you shouldn't let political uncertainty dictate your investment strategy. Um, and certainly, if Europe, if you look at Europe over the past five, past ten years, there has been ongoing political uncertainty with the, the euro crisis and. Areas such as Greece, Italy, Spain in particular, looking very vulnerable. But even over the last five years, if you'd let that put you off, you'd have missed out on an 80% rise in stock markets. So, so you can't ignore the political uncertainty, but we do think the nervousness over the political situation is now pricing a healthy level of pessimism into stock markets. And so, so on that basis... We certainly know we have to be aware of the risks and if the facts change, we'll change our strategy. But at the moment, we think valuations are attractive enough that we're being compensated for the, the potential political risks out there.
0: And what can investors do to protect themselves against these potential risks?
2: Um, well, I guess one approach is to make a, a large asset allocation call and ignore all European stocks and all of the European markets But that's based on unknown factors which may or may not happen. And that's that's certainly not our approach. Um, But I do think if you do want exposure, there are funds that you can gain exposure to European stock markets. And the way we invest is we take a core and we take a satellite approach. Um, And throughout, we have been holding core European exposure throughout the last 10 years, throughout the last 20 years, um, irrespective of the top-down backdrop um, and funds we've used, certainly Richard Pease, who now manages Crux European Special Situations, fund manager we've invested for close on 20 years. Um, and I think that's that's a very good good example of a fund that is very much focused on companies, on investing in good quality, niche, long-term growth businesses. Um, I've heard him explain his portfolio as investing in grown-up companies that can handle adversity, and if you look at the portfolio, it's very much invested in the Northern Europe, um, rather than peripheral Europe, and in sectors that tend to be less cyclical. So I think that's 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 a good approach. Um, I guess another example of a fund we've invested in as a long-term core holding is the Lion Trust European Enhanced Income, it used to be the Argonaut Fund. Um, equity income is very much at the core of our investment process, and we do believe Having a solid dividend stream provides a good defensive approach to investing. And also with the Lion Trust Fund, if you're particularly concerned about the backdrop in the Eurozone, you can buy a head share class, which we have done in the past, and that can reduce the the currency risk exposed to the Euro. So so there's certainly a couple of examples that we we hold as core long-term holdings, that even if you're concerned about the short-term political and economic backdrop. We think they, they merit a place within a, a well-diversified portfolio.
0: Sure. And uh, last and very quick one, prediction for the French election outcome?
2: Um, I think last year has definitely taught me not to make political <laughs> predictions. So um, um, we'll hope that, uh, that uh, Le Pen does not get in. And, um, and certainly on that basis, we think that, that'll be a big step to reducing political uncertainty. Um, and one thing, sort of leading on from that, is obviously a, a lot of people were very concerned that that Brexit, the vote for Brexit, might cause contagion in across Europe. But actually, one outcome that s- some people are beginning to talk about now is that the uh, UK leaving the EU might lead to greater political unity amongst the member states, and you could actually see more political stability. So, so maybe there's some positive political news that um, could also come out in the next few months.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll all be keeping a close eye on the political scene in France then over the next couple of months. Thanks for coming in today, Gavin. Thanks, Jaina. That's all we have time for today. We would love to hear your comments as well as ideas for future podcasts, or if there are any particular topics you'd like us to cover. You can contact me via email at jaina.rana at incisivemedia.com. Thanks for listening.